I'm doing well, Brady. How you doing? Well, I'd be doing better if the Red Sox didn't just lose 100 RBIs uh, of production from their lineup and see him go to a division rival. So I already knew Justin Turner wasn't coming back, but seeing him go to the Blue Jays is just another gut punch in this offseason. Yeah, and I, you know, I think he's a really good ad for the for the Blue Jays. Uh, they're they've had some uh, something going on, right? They've had too much talent to underachieve the way they have. Uh, all the young kids have come together, and and you know, he's the kind of guy, as we know from last year. I really think his clubhouse presence, and I don't say this often, it leads to wins. It makes a team better. Uh, I think he made this team better last year, and I think he'll go to a young Blue Jays team that is sort of figuring out its character and its leadership, and, and he's going to make them a better team. That's you know, Yesterday was a tough day for the AL East, between the Orioles getting sold to someone who might spend money and, and yeah. the Blue Jays getting Justin Turner. It just got a whole lot deeper. As we get ready for spring training now, two weeks away, uh, I've got the Red Sox ninth in the American League entering the season. I've got them ahead of Oakland, ahead of the Angels, ahead of Kansas City, ahead of the White Sox, and I will put them ahead of Cleveland, although I think it's probably iffy. Does that sound fair to you? It sounds pretty close. Sounds pretty close. I thought you were going to say they're ninth in the American League East. I thought, you know, I thought you were going to go full sports radio on me. Uh, I Yeah, it's hard to think of them any higher. And I, you know, I keep clinging to the uh, the life raft that there's going to be a move before, but man, we're running out of uh, before, aren't we? It's it's two weeks from today. Pitchers and catchers are on the field working out, uh, and and man, I mean, Ken Rosenthal came off the top ropes uh, over the last couple of days, and they're not even trying. Uh, could they still go sign Montgomery? Yeah, they could. He's still sitting there in Boston right now because that's where his wife has a residency. I mean, it just—it's the easiest thing in the world to to make a, a significant improvement to this roster before camp starts, and, and they just don't seem interested. Here's the thing that that I don't understand, and I guess maybe it is as simple as just money. But if the Red Sox fully believe their window that we've talked about opens next year, can't you preemptively try to help next year's roster this year by getting a Montgomery or someone who's going to be a part of next year's solution? Why do you have to spend only money the year you think the window opens? Yeah, it's a good question. And I, I, you know, maybe you just don't think he's really good enough on the back end of that deal, right? That, that you're going to have uh, a, a performance that is tailing off. Uh, when you need it to be going the other way and, and, and waiting a year. I mean, it is, you know, I, I, I obviously, I'm not a guy who looks a year out for free agency, but there's talk about a lot of potential arms being available next year. I, I don't know. I, I assume at this point, <clears throat> the only reason you're not <clears throat> signing Jordan Montgomery is it's just too much for too long. And, yeah, we've it's Boris, and, and I get that, and it's why Snell's still out there as well, but – I, I say Jordan Montgomery would be an instant fix for this team, but I, I don't want him at eight years and, and 200 million. I mean, I, you know, there is a point where it's just too much. So I don't know. You know, I keep hoping you get a, an Adrian Beltre pillow contract out of this and, and you can swoop, swoop in and, and get him for a year or two because uh, he's running out of time too. I mean, let's not forget that, right? He's running out of time. Too. But I, I just, I'm with you. If, if the next, you know, window of being the, the the Ben Charrington's quote, the next great Red Sox team is is going to be the two to five year window down the road. Well, then sign him for five years and you've got him for that stretch. Tom Karen, Sox Insider over at Nesson with us here on the Brady Farkas Show, WDEV, AM and FM and WDEV Radio.com. A couple of weeks ago, 
The Red Sox were the reported favorite for Jorge Soler. We also knew the Blue Jays and my Mariners were in on him. Well, the Blue Jays don't seem to need him now after getting Turner. After the Mariners trade for Jorge Polanco, they don't seem to have a whole lot of money left to go and make this move. Do you think Soler falls to the Red Sox at this point, potentially? I I feel like either Soler or Duvall is going to end up with the Red Sox. I I really, I feel one of those two guys, right? And, And to your point, I feel like more and more teams are coming off the boards. Listen, I feel that way about Montgomery and Snell too, right? How many teams that can afford one of those guys are still in the hunt for a pitcher? It's certainly not as many as, as, as there were at the beginning of the offseason. So maybe that's the waiting game. Maybe Breslow's playing the waiting game, waiting for these deals to come down, waiting for guys to panic and say, I got to sign something before spring training. I still think Soler would be a great addition to this team. Uh, I think he'd be a good fit. And I, I do think there's a real good chance they end up with him because, again, uh, who the Angels just signed? Angels just signed somebody like teams Darren are, Hicks. Yeah, Darren Hicks. And so teams are, you know, locking guys up and ostensibly taking themselves out of the market for some of these guys. And, and so I, I think one of those two, you know, you get Duval. I, I like Duval. I'd love to see Duval a full healthy year. I mean, his, you know, his April was insane, right? And then he went on that other stretch later in the year. There's going to be strikeouts. We know that. But, man, he's got the power at Fenway Park. And, and you know, he could be your DH, Brian Large. I know they like the idea of rotating guys, too. But he can play outfield, too. Uh, so, I, you know, I don't know. I just I, – I don't know. You got too many outfielders uh, to fit all in right now. You don't really have a DH, and you don't have a top-of-the-rotation pitcher. And, and the clock is ticking. I hate the idea, and I know you do, too, being the guy who does the the – television coverage of it i hate going into a season saying well we think the red sox are going to finish last but here's all the other things you should still be watching for this year but if we're on that hunt i am excited to see the development of grissom at second i am excited to see what story looks like coming back i'm excited to see cutter crawford maybe get a chance in the rotation what he could do over a full season with some of these new pitching programs but the kind of moral victory thing i'm most looking forward to is i think tristan costas is about to become a true stud Like, I think he is about to become, you know, I don't know, top six first baseman when it comes to at least offensive numbers this year. I think he's primed for a big year if he stays healthy, TC. Yeah, I totally agree. Listen, you would clip this uh, soundbite here and play this back to me in in July to to prove how wrong I am. I'll tell you what I am excited about this team. I am am bullish on on Tristan Casas. I think you're exactly right. I think he's going to be the middle of the order bat. I think he's going to be a leader. I think he is going to have a monstrous season, top 10 MVP type season. I really do. And I think it's going to be the beginning of a run where this becomes sort of his team, right? Devers clearly doesn't want that. And I think Casas is the guy who's going to take that off the plate for Devers and let Devers settle in and be himself. Okay, where maybe maybe they're two and three, although I'd like a righty splitting them up. So, uh, But that brings us number two. I'm excited for Trevor Story. Uh, I, you know, I, uh, listen, the bat was awful last year, but the year before when he was healthy, we saw that swing a couple of times at Fenway Park where you were like, oh yeah, this guy could get, it could hit some home runs over that monster. Uh, the defense is elite. Uh, they need that. So I'm excited about that. I think Grissom is going to be a star. He can hit. I, I will see about the defense, but you know, second base is probably the one place you can hide somebody a little bit, especially with, with the lack of shifting. Now you're more traditional, you know, you don't need a second baseman who's going to be playing shortstop uh, when, they, when they face a right-handed pull hitter. You know, you, you're going to have uh, a guy who has hit at every level of his career who's going to get a chance to now be an everyday second baseman. 
I'm pretty excited about that. I, I, I'm some, less excited, but I'm interested in, in O'Neal uh, trying to have a comeback here. I want to see that defense, um, but let's see what he can do. And, and, and that's really what I'm looking at on the position side. The guy I'm also really looking forward to seeing uh, on, on the pitching side is Nick Pavetta. Uh, I'm, I'm big on him. I, right now, as presently constructed, and he's not a number one, but I would make him the opening day start because he strikes me as the kind of guy who would feed off that. He's an energy guy. Um, you know, he grew up right up the road in Vancouver, right? So you're opening up in Seattle. Throw him out there on opening. Don't throw Bayo out there. I know Bayo wants it, uh, but why? that's adding pressure to a young kid who's going to continue, I think, to get better and better. I like Bayo. I'm not worried about Bayo. But there's no reason to give him the pressure. Giolito's not a number one starter. And again, you're adding pressure to him as a new guy. Pavetta, I, I think you're just saying, listen, you went through hell last year career-wise. You've done everything we asked. You, you added the sweeper. You were really good in September. You're our opening day starter and see where that goes. And then lastly, I'm excited about Whitlock. I mean, of all the guys I saw at Winter Weekend, that dude looked like he spent the, the winter chiseling himself out of granite. <laughs> I mean, the guy looks strong. Uh, I, don't, I, I still think he's a Swiss Army knife, and he says he likes that role. So let him be a three-inning reliever and a spot starter and an opener, whatever you need. Okay, the, the Ryan Yarbrough of a few years back, right? Let him be that guy. Uh, and, and so there are things to get excited about. There are. And, and I, think, I, think, I, I think that, here we go. This is what you're going to clip off and shove back at me. I think this team is going to surprise people. But unfortunately, I think surprising people is still 85 wins. You know, it's, it's not 80 and a half, but it's not 90. Not as presently constructed. That's why I keep saying, go get Montgomery. Because he might be worth three, four, five wins. And he might take you from 82, 83, 84 wins to 86, 87, 88 wins. And now you're knocking on the door of a wild card. The other story that's going to be there all year is going to be the Alex Cora thing. Nah. Like, And I'm going to talk about this with Buster tomorrow too. But Cora's headed into the last year of his deal. We just saw what Craig Council got, kind of shifting the power for managers. There's going to be a market for Cora at the end of this year, whether it's the Red Sox or a bunch of other teams that want him. Do the Red Sox lock him up early? Does Breslow want his own guy? Did the Red Sox do enough to make Cora believe that that he wants to stay? The Cora storyline is going to be something that's there all year, TC. There's no doubt. There's a reason teams usually lock a guy up before his lame duck season because you don't want that hovering over the team, but yet here we are. And I think, you know, Breslow made it clear with me on Winter Weekend when he came by the show, uh, you know, he talked about still feeling each other out, still learning. He goes, the trust is building, but we got to build that trust through the games, through the highs and lows. So, so it's not like Breslow has been real committal saying, you know, he's our guy. Uh, and that's interesting to me. And, and there's a lot of teams. I mean, this is, you know, it's kind of like we thought with Belichick, uh, but it hasn't really played out that way. Right. Where, but there's a lot of teams. I remember, you remember Barry Trotz. I, Barry Trotz was a minor league uh, hockey coach when, when I was the, the play-by-play guy. We had somebody yesterday or last week ask for Barry Trotz stories after you told us about your bus experiences. Oh, uh, there you go. So I, I brought him up a couple weeks ago. So when he uh, was let go by the Islanders, right, a couple years ago, Lou Lamarillo, the story came out, and I've never asked Barry this, but the story came out that there were, that offseason, there were nine teams that asked him to be the head coach. There were only seven openings in the NHL at the point. So I mean, there were two teams that had a coach who called him and said, if you want to come be our coach, we'll fire our coach. And I think Alex Cora is going to literally have that same kind of, of market for his services. 
if he's a free agent at the end of the season. And I think he's going to get a Craig Council type, type deal, Greg Council type deal. Uh, because I, I think I, I just, I've seen what he can do. And, 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 and in a weird way, that should get you a little fired up for, again, this team being a little better than you thought this year, because I think he is going to manage the hell out of this team. Because if he does anything with this team, he's going to add a couple of years and a lot of millions to whatever he ends up signing with the Red Sox or with anybody else. TC, you're the best. We'll catch up next week. And next week will be our final talk, I believe, before you head to Fort Myers. So we're looking Indeed. forward to it. After that, it'll be the first day of pitchers and catchers. So next week is that uh, between Beanpot Mondays uh, when I'll be packing up the golf clubs and we'll be doing this one more time. <laughs> and, and we'll be saying probably the same thing, that they haven't done anything. Well, we'll see what happens. TC, talk next week. Thank you. Thanks, Brady. Appreciate it.